0: How are you doing, folks? Welcome back. Uh, This is Jimmy Bell here, the host of Ballymundo's Recovery Podcast, Um, and we just want to talk about last week's podcast, Sunday Just Gone, which was the 3rd of September. We were supposed to release a podcast and unfortunately it didn't go out. Well. We did record it, however, but due to technical difficulties, we were unable to broadcast that week's podcast with the Ballymun One Cycling Club, um, Recovery Cycling Club. We hope to re-record the interview soon, Meanwhile, I'm just going to talk about what's happening in Jordan Recovery Month this week Um, and we're going to give you four recovery stories, an initiative that was set up last year by Ballymont Communications, Jordan Recovery Month and their people's real um, recovery stories and how they gained hope and strength through their recovery Um, and we'll put them at the end so people can have a listen. So again, folks, um, really apologetic about this. This has never happened to us. We're a year in existence and it was the first time that um, it happened, unfortunately, due to a fire being um, corrupted. So um, thanks very much for your patience on it. We will get back to the recovery uh, road cycle uh, group and we will re-record it um, um, during recovery month. So yeah, it's things to look forward to. Um, On the podcast, we're going to be starting to... Uh, interview some treatment centres um, to give a breakdown of what is happening um, when you enter treatment or when you contemplate going into recovery. Um, we're going to have um, various different treatment centres across Dublin and across the nation um, coming in, and we'll be chatting with them. And we'll, we, you know, we'll pose a list of questions to them um, to try to give our listeners um, some type of insight of what. Might be expected of them, or what might happen while they're in treatment center, or a day program, or stabilization program, and just break it down for people to kind of take that edge off what might be happening um, for an individual, because it's a huge step for somebody, you know, um, to to make that change and and to make that leap, and we want to try and make the process. um, as good as possible for them or as easy as possible for them take any barriers out of the way so we will be doing that during the month of recovery um, so next week's podcast just a little bit about that we are going to be linking in with FAST um, in Thingless FAST is a um, a, a treatment addiction centre um, day programme in, in Thingless which does a range of activities um, and a range of recovery programmes and they have linked up with recovery month and ourselves um, this this month and uh, on the 11th we're going to be doing 100 years of recovery where we're going to be interviewing five men or women, we're, we're not sure um who are in recovery, who have years of knowledge of recovery. Some might be 20 years, some might be 10, some might be three, some might be at the beginning. And we're going to pose a list of questions to them about their recovery journeys and what is possible for people and how they gained that recovery momentum and the social element of it, um... The, the the things they gained back in their life and we're going to have real-life conversations with those five people and we're going to put that out next week. So we're really looking forward to that, really looking forward to linking in with FAST on that one. Um, it's going to be beautiful, especially for Recovery Month, um, just showing that level of, different level of recovery in, in, in people and how they gained it and how they, you know, they kept it and how they sustained it, you know. Um, so are looking forward to that one. Also, um, here in our own community we have a list of different things that are happening this week we have um, on the 6th of September which is today we have a recovery 100 fit um, and if you want to um, go on to any of the Ballymun recovery on Facebook Instagram Twitter well, it's called X now. It's not even Twitter anymore or any of them social media sites. You will see the um, the Ballymun Recovery um, timetable for September. So um, the Recovery 100 Fit is happening on the 6th. Um, on the 7th, we have September Sizzle Barbecue. On the 8th, we have the Wind Down Friday Yoga and um, Beginner's Gym for Women. Um, so, yeah, Women's Gym for Beginners, that's on the 8th, on Friday. Um, and then on the 9th, we have the National Recovery Walk in the city centre, um, which we'd like most people in the community or anybody that's associated with recovery that wants to come along on that. Um, there will be a bus leaving, Um Again, go on to any of the social media sites um, and contact Ballymun Recovery um, on Facebook, Instagram um, and find out any more information that you need to find out about the um, the recovery um, walk on the 8th, on the ninth. sorry, the ninth. yeah. Um, and then on the 10th, this podcast will be going out on this Sunday just apologising and again, as I said, This has never happened to us before. It's the first time and we will be putting the recovery stories out with that as well. So again, like, yeah, as it is, it's recovery month, folks. Everybody out there, you know, here's the time. Here's the time to reach out to your neighbour. Here's the time to reach out to your your partner. Here's the time to reach out to your sibling, to to your family member, whoever it is, and give them that drive and that push, um, towards recovery, towards the activities that are happening in the community, because you never know they might, you know, learn something or gain some knowledge that kind of pushes them into that contemplation stage of wanting to change their behaviour and leave the substance behind and get onto the recovery journey. Um, you know, we're we're, we're always here. Um, you can always email us or uh, send a message to us on any of our social media sites. Um, Easy Street Star. We're always supporting people um, and also value communications or any of the recovery, as I said, social media sites. If, if there is people out there, if there's listeners out there, if there's family members out there who are seeking um, advice or knowledge around how they gain access for their, their loved ones, please reach out to us and um, we're always here. Um, and as I said, um, am real sorry about that. Um, the podcast didn't go out this week, but we are we're going to be hosting a lot of podcasts during Recovery Month, so there will be a big flavour and we look forward to seeing you and hearing from you then and hearing some feedback. So, yeah, talk to you soon. Thanks, folks. Best of luck with your Recovery.
1: One love, Jimmy Bell. This is Nave's recovery story. I was born in the late 70s. I lived in Ballymun and I lived there until I was about 11. In Ballymun, I remember that we never really had money. I had younger siblings. We moved to a different part of Dublin when I was 11, but when I was a kid, we grew up in Ballymun. There was substance abuse in the family. My dad was a substance user. I saw a lot of things as a kid, things that kids shouldn't see or be around. I was in a lot of places around town and around a lot of clinics in town, including the old Jervis Street clinic. I was always quite shy or a little bit awkward as a kid but I always felt really ashamed of my father and what he was. I loved school and I was quite good at school actually. My first escape was books. I went to my nanny's a lot as a child. My mom's family didn't really like my dad. As kids we went to my nanny's a lot but me more so. My nanny was always very good to me. That was like my little sanctuary going to my nanny's house at the weekends. I always felt quite safe there. She protected me and looked after me. She bought me my communion dress and stuff like that. My mum didn't have the money. I remember I joined the library as a kid. I would be reading books like Paddington Bear and stuff like that. It was like I was in the book and as if I was watching a film, I would be in the film. I always wanted to be someone that wasn't me. I remember being in school and I was quite good in school, quite clever, my dad was quite like that too. As I said, my dad was in substance use but my dad never was really there. I don't really remember him being there, he was always off somewhere and when he came back he would always be under the influence. He wasn't a very good role model either as a father. Years later, he's dead now but years later we used together. He got me on methadone and I robbed tablets on him but that was down the road. I always had this thing about heroin, I hated heroin because my dad was on it and because of the stigma I felt as a child because my dad was a heroin addict. In school plays and for parent-teacher meetings I used to be so embarrassed because I was quite clever, quite outgoing, a pleasant child but always felt less than, because of the shame, because of the way my dad was. I liked living in Ballymun, I always remember when we moved to another part of Dublin, the neighbours and none of them would let their kids play with us, I don't know what it was, maybe because we were from Ballymun or the way my dad was there, always that separation piece. I did 5th class and 6th class and made my confirmation in a school that wasn't in Ballymun. I travelled from Ballymun to that school every day. I was quite wild then moving from one place to another and I found a hard settling in. I had this one friend and I am actually still friends with her now. We started taking these together and when we were teenagers we actually used to smoke hash and drink together. Our first time we were about 11 or 12 when I think about... When we first started drinking, myself and that girl were hanging about with people that were older than us. It seemed a cool thing to do. And everybody on the fields, and I wanted to fit in. I hate the taste of it, but see the feeling that it gave me. It gave me this type of confidence. I felt like I was one of them. And you know, the stuff that was going on at home was kind of gone then. I could enjoy myself. That feeling it gave me, but I still had the think about heroin. I hated her and didn't realise where this was going to bring me. At the time it was just fun. I thought everybody was doing it plus the influence that my dad had me too because this girl I palled around with, her background was completely different to mine even though her family was separated too. We did get on. I brought her out shoplifting with me because I knew how to do it and through my dad and stuff like that. Anyway, we started smoking hash together and drinking. My first drink was a can of LCL and I drank it slowly because I thought you were going to get more out of it. I held on to that feeling. I loved the feeling and then every week I was drinking and then obviously it progressed to hash. Even before that I remember sniffing Tipex, aerosols and stuff like that from around the house. Going through my teens I wouldn't bring anyone into my house or anything. I was so embarrassed to bring them in. Obviously my dad would have been there a lot, but when he was there he would be in the same fucking chair, in the same position, in the same sitting room, and me ma would be sitting looking at the telly like this was normal. I just had a lot of shame and guilt as a teenager, and the substance helped me get away from that. I went a bit wild in my teenage years. I was out partying a lot, and I'm actually glad now, but my mum made me stay at school. I did my leave Cert search Jordan this time. I was still partying and doing Ears and coke. I was parting all weekend and I would go home on a Sunday and go to school on a Monday morning. Looking back now, I am so glad I got to do my leaving. I got seven honors, don't ask me how I got them. I was still out parting to escape all the stuff that was going on at home. I just thought this was normal. This is what everybody did. Then I met this fella. I knew him from the area. He hid that he was taking heroin. He had been over in England and got all kinds of things. I was really attracted to this and I started going out with him Then within 6 months of going out with him He had come back and his eyes I knew because of my dad's I knew by someone if they were on heroin Obviously I confronted him and he denied it I remember we were out one night and we came back to his mum's And he said I need to go down and get something I had a few arguments with him before I said Fuck it just go down and get it He went down and got his heroin and we smoked it and I remember getting sick but whatever happened that night, within six months, I was strung out from smoking heroin. I remember I had an interview to become an air hostess. It was my second or third interview in Dublin Airport. But instead of going to that interview, I told my mum I was going for the interview. Instead, I went off smoking heroin. That was the start of it. A few months later, I did an accountancy course. And then I'd done a reception course for about eight months. This was before I got really, really bad in my 20s. I was good at walking into jobs and what would happen is I would get a little break and be stable for a certain amount of time then I'd go off using again and the job would be done. I was on the streets ago a good few times. Walking the streets of Dublin because I was always really afraid in the hostels. Really unsure of myself. I lived like that for a long time in an out of mass in and out of different relationships and they were just based around drugs and substances. My drug use developed further. I would get a certain amount of stability and I would go and do courses and counselling or something like that and then I would forget all about it. I might do a couple of meetings and then I would forget all about them and go off using. This was how my life was for a long time. I actually had this mentality that I was always going to be on methadone and prescribe medications. I had gone to a lot of psychiatrists and the diagnosis was that I was just a very damaged young woman and very very hurt. I went around as a bit of a loner and then towards the end I was just basically living in a room. I didn't go outside the door. All the good jobs I had and the education just went out the fucking window. I remember doing a day programme and they put me to do psychology and we were doing that. And I remember sitting in a room with people and doing cocaine and I was telling them all that was wrong with them. I would diagnose them and I'm sure they thought I was fucking nuts. The stuff comes back to me every now and again but I was lost and I had the mentality that this is always going to be like this. I hated Christmas, I hated birthdays, and I hated anything that was a celebration because I knew I'd have to be around my family and I'd have to show myself. I remember my brother came down with his two kids and he were not allowed up to the room to see me. I was an embarrassment. At the last few years, when I was really bad, I spent my day sitting there watching telly, staying up quite late at night smoking and not going out. Apart from going to the chemist every day, That was my life then. I was on social welfare and I would collect my social. On the Wednesday, and go off and get loads of crack for the rest of the week. I would be in my mass and that was my life. The jobs, all the ambitions I had just went out the window. I hated myself, I hated the world. I was always on the pity thing about it. If Dad wasn't the way he was, I wouldn't be the way I am. But my brothers and sisters are not like me, so I couldn't blame that. I ended up going on a holiday. My sister's friend had gotten pregnant and my man paid for me to go in her place. About a year before that, I had been asking the doctor would he take me off my methadone because I wanted to detox because it wasn't working. I just knew I couldn't keep living like that. My mental health was really bad. I was really depressed and I didn't really think I would be sitting here right now. I kept going the way I was going. I probably would have ended it all. It was just misery. I went on a holiday to Marbella and I remember going over there and it was like I got a spiritual awakening but I also got a smack of reality about the way I'd lived my life for years and that everyone else saw me for years and for a long time I couldn't just see that. Not only did I look different than all the girls there but on the inside I was just dead and I was in this world with all these yachts and the sun and it struck me that if I continue to do what I am doing now and I am just going to die so I need to do something. I need to change this and this was the decision I made over there. So I flew back to Dublin. I was on the methadone clinic and at the time I didn't go back near the clinic. My sister dragged me up and I always remember this. The doctor turned around to me and he took out a file. This was 2013 and the file was from 2006. He handed my sister the file and said she's a lifer, she's never going to get off this. So that spurred me on even more. Because I came off everything myself, I ended up in a drug-induced psychosis. My mum's partner was an alcoholic and I didn't get on with him. I threatened him and my mum threw me out. I was back living in a hostel in town. Because I was living there, it was really hard to get out to the clinic. I was on 100 mils, but I wasn't taking any of it. I asked them to give me 40 mils a week or two of that my doctor would put me on the city clinic. I said I am not going there, so i just stopped. I was on Valium, and Methadone at the time. I just stopped everything but I don't recommend anyone to do this because of the dangers involved here, physical and mental health. Despite the psychosis, something was just telling me everything was going to be okay. I was great at filling out forms and when I was in the hostel, my phone got robbed but I was still writing all these treatment referral forms to every treatment centre. The doctors were ringing to see where I was. Nobody knew where I was and I had this mad thing in my head that I couldn't go out and collect money in my local post office because I thought people were after me. My head was mad from years of taking substances and mental stuff. I eventually ended up in a Christian centre for a detox. I thought it was like killing mine, I was so naive. I remember the girl I started taking substances with and my sister brought me to a church in Ballyfirma. When I went in, I had already been to the doctors a few days before and there was nothing in my urine, it was all out of me. I just went in because I needed to go somewhere. Living in a hostel in town, they are all using around me. I started going to meetings as well, and then I went into the Christian place. I lasted there six months. Don't ask me how. and I know people talk about it, but it helped me to get from where I was. And when I came out, I moved back into Pemaz. I had changed, but nothing had changed back out there. I was running around with a woman from Ballymun that was there. She was taking Lyrica and I had never taken them before and within a few days of hanging around with I asked her for one. I was in a day programme in town and I relapsed for about a week or two and then I got such a fright. I was honest with them, they kept me on the programme and that was the last time I ever used. That was over eight years ago. I got more learning from the experience of relapsing than I did from any book or step walk or things like that. I know I can't go out and have just one drink. Whatever is in me, I don't know what it is. Today I really believe that if I can get off substances and get drug free from this life that I lived, anyone can. I actually walk in the community today, helping people to get to this stage. But just to say again, anybody can do this. It just takes time and the use of supports that are around you. Start to open up, go to meetings, go to services, put your name down for a treatment detox and anybody I believe can get substance free. The life that I live today is so completely different from the life I used to live. My mentality has completely changed and I am proud of the person that I am today. I am sure that my dad is looking down on me and is so proud of me. I would like to dedicate this story to my dad who died 20 years ago. I am in a fellowship and I put my badges on his grave every year just because he never got to do this.
2: This is Kevin's story. I'm just going to give you a quick introduction into what it was like growing up and getting involved in drugs and stuff. I came from Ballyman. I come from a broken family, so my mother raised us. She was my ma and my dad. At nearly age about 12 or something I started drinking. Then I started to smoke and then I started smoking hash as well. I got a good feeling every time I drank and smoked hash, it was like I got a feeling that I belonged or was part of something. Even though I was just experimenting. It quickly escalated from Saturday 19 from Friday to Sunday 19. Obviously, we did anything just to get the few quid up probably. Probably even rob me ma's money just to get it. What I really needed before I knew it, it was a problem. Experimenting stages stopped and it became a problem. I started going to raves and taking ecstasy, then speed and the magic mushrooms. I'd find anything that I could escape from. It always felt like there was something missing and at the time I thought that's what it was. It was just filling a void. I was taking a constantly every weekend and then I got introduced to coke, sniffing coke. I really did not get hooked on coke. To me it was a rich man's drug, but it smoked hash constantly every day and I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I used to convince myself that all it did was just relax me. But remember there was a drought on in the early 90s and you couldn't get any hash anywhere. I was in a flat in Ballymun, and there was a girl there smoking heroin. We used to look at it as a nasty drug. She was sitting there and she says to me, can you get your hash anywhere? And I said, no. And she said, why don't you try this one? One lion is like smoking a joint. I says, no. I left the flat and went out looking for hash. But we it still couldn't get any. And later on that night, I was back at the flat. And the girl was still there. She said, you might as well just try it. It's just like smoking hash, we was like, ah fuck it. So we started smoking it, and then that's what it was. You hear people saying, once you smoke, you're hooked. And I was one of those people. Just loved it, and at that time, I really didn't see anything wrong with it. I kind of defended it. We were smoking every day, smoking heroin, every day in for It wasn't long before I was taken intravenously injecting me, and that was every day too. It got to a stage where I had to sell it to be able to take it. To take the amount I was taking wasn't nice. I was looking for the escape, and I didn't realize how quickly it was going to be a problem. I ended up being locked up a few times. I ended up on the streets, homelessness. I used to sleep at the back of a loading bay at the oil Center. I was there for two years. I just couldn't see any other way but it's mad. In some ways, I was comfortable. I had family. I could have gone to my mass, but I was comfortable. You know, pride just got in the well. I didn't realise how quickly it was going to escalate. Then I was introduced to crack cocaine. Again, as soon as I did, I wanted more and more. One was never enough. I was bad on the crack, and it went on for a number of years. I went to the clinic in Ballymun to come off the heroin, a methadone clinic. I was at that clinic for a good 15 years, which I believe now there was no need for it. However, it served a purpose. At the time, I was on a maintenance program and they had me on 120 mils of methadone. Then I decided I wanted to change. I wanted to have a few kids, so I decided to reduce myself down after methadone. I got stable first on it. I tried to stop smoking heroin and injecting and smoking crack. Stop all the tablets I was on. We eventually got into treatment and got down to 50 mils. I remember the first time I went into treatment, I was coming off everything. I got a phone call in treatment that my best friend and cousin was after hanging himself. I was halfway through my detox and decided to live. The staff in Curandara asked me not to live. They even offered me to bring me to the funeral, but I wanted to live, we left anyway. I went back on the stuff, straight away after the funeral. I was lucky enough to get back into Keltoy seven weeks later. I was actually only the fourth person in there to come off Suboxone. I completed my detox. From there, I went to Keltoy, which is an aftercare place, and I stayed there for another eight weeks. Two of the lads I met in Keltoy went on to Keltoy with me for the eight weeks. We got on great, everything was good. We were having belly laughs, something I haven't experienced for years. Loads of emotions and feelings were coming back and I didn't know what was going on. It was like an emotional wreck. I didn't realise that we suppressed everything from an early age taking drugs. We had to start experiencing all of this stuff at a later age. I was going to meetings, don't have me doing aftercare, everything was going great. I thought, jeez, this is great. But I didn't realise that when I went into treatment after all I came after Suboxone, I brought loads of photographs of my kids. I put them all on my wall, over my bed. I kept saying to myself, I'm going to do it for them. I want better for them. I want them to have a good life. I want them to have the life we didn't have. I didn't realise at the time. They were the wrong reasons. When I finished all my treatment, I remember I was six months drug free. And I was in the car with two lads who was in treatment with me. All three of us were drug-free six months, and life was great. I remember driving down the road, and I'm sitting in the back of the car, and one of the lads said, wouldn't it be great to have one more? And my stomach was like a washing machine. In the back of the car, my head was saying, tell them to stop the car and get the fuck out. And the words that came out of my mouth was, well, if you were around, I am. Before we knew it, we were sitting on Dollymount Beach in the car, smoking heroin. As I was smoking it, I was crying into it. I kept saying to to myself, that's it, I'm fucked. I can't do this now. Not after doing treatment and doing a detox, not after doing talks, not after all my family telling me how good I'm doing and how well I looked and how proud my kids are with me. I just felt like I'd let everyone down and myself down. I couldn't believe it, the other lads that day kept saying, you be grand, you be grand, just don't do anything else don't do it tomorrow. I started laughing and said to them, I'm an addict. There's no such thing as not doing it tomorrow. I was full on three weeks back trying everything again. Then I decided, that's it, I've had enough. After had down treatment, detox and everything, and aftercare. Counseling not worked. Nothing worked. I realized that I was at my rock bottom. We was hitting rock bottom. When I went to treatment the previous time and completed everything, I had six months, drug free. I did it for all the wrong reasons. I had never hit rock bottom before. So even though everything was great, everything was was great, as in completed detox, completed aftercare, I did it for the wrong reasons. I didn't do it for me. I did it for my kids, I did it for my family, whatever the case may be, and it never worked that way. You have to want to do it for you, and I learned that the hard way. I remember deciding, I'm checking now, I don't belong in this world. There's nothing here for me. I was contemplating the best way to go. My best friend on himself, and I was thinking, yeah, I could easily do that. Then I was thinking, who was going to find me? I had another cousin who swallowed a lot of heart tablets, and I was thinking I could do that. Then knowing my luck would end up <laughs> in the, map of the hospital, I'd to get him pumped out, so that wouldn't work. Then I had another cousin who shot himself, so I was thinking of that. This is how messed up my head was. That is where my head was at. What was I thinking? I had decided the way I was going to do it. Just at that point, where I was ready to end my life, my daughter, who was only two years old, woke up and screamed the apartment down. I remember thinking, what the fuck? I went into our room and looked into the car, and the tears were flying out of my eyes. I could just feel the tears dripping out of my eyes, and I was saying to myself, this is not me anymore. This is about them. It was like a realisation. I started over dressed me, night and early next morning. I rang a fellow I knew from the fellowship and he told me to go into town and get a meeting. I left the house and went into town, but there was no meeting on. I rang the chap back and he said, there's a little chapel on the case. Go in and sit down by yourself. But I know until the meeting's over and there's, a, there's another one due to start. I'm not big into churches or going anywhere near them. Anything I said to him, I'm not going into a church, he said. What do you have to lose? Just get in and sit at the back. Sit with yourself for an hour. So he was like, fuck it, what do I have to lose? So I went into the church. The priest was up at the altar doing his thing. Loads of people around. I remember walking straight in and walking straight up the altar. I'm sure the priest was looking at me and thinking, what the hell? I dropped to my knees and I was riding. If there's anyone there, cause anyone, please help me. I can't do this. But I remember getting up and walking out of the chapel, walking around O'Connell Street, and I went into supermax and ordered a cappuccino. I sat at the window. It was in floods of tears. I couldn't control it. The only thing going through in my head was actual, was I'm actually powerless over my addiction. And it just kept repeating in my head, I'm powerless over my addiction. It was like a light bulb moment. And I believe today that was my acceptance. I accepted that I was powerless over my addiction. The meetings I used to go to, NA at the time, there wasn't a meeting on at the time, but thankfully there was AA. On that night which I attended, I opened up about where my head was at. And I met good people, very good people who became great friends. I went to an AA meeting every morning, every night, for the next three and a half years because that's what I needed to do. We went through withdrawal symptoms in meetings. We didn't go back to treatment. We just did it through the means, with the support and help of other people. I haven't looked back since which is great. 14th of May twenty twenty one I was 10 years drug and drink free. It's gas. I used to live on the streets for two years, living behind the Oil Centre. Now I'm around the corner at the GPO, feeding the homeless. I'm one of the founders of a soup run. we have been doing that for the last four and a half years, every Tuesday and Wednesday nights. I went back to college. Jesus, I wouldn't have bought my ma's house or flat in Shanghai down to live school at 14 first time I went to college was to become a fitness instructor, personal trainer, to follow on from the course I did in Volume 1, a health and fitness education program. That was the first course I ever completed in my life. I we then went on to do fitness PT training and qualified in that. And then I decided i keep going and went to UCD and did a diploma in drug and alcohol work. I passed that as well, lost everything when I was on drugs. I got banned from driving, I had no life with my kids, I have a great relationship with my kids now, I'm a granddad, I have a grandchild of three years and I have a great relationship with her. I'm back driving and I'm working full time in the community where I grew up, I'm actually working on the same street, life is good, there is an alternative, another way, I always say to everybody, what you put into it, you're going to get out of it. I used to give my addiction years 100% and that's what I got out of it. Now I'm giving my recovery 110% and that's what I'm getting back. That's just a quick brief of my life growing up in addiction. I hope somebody gets some something out of it.
1: This is Eileen's story. I grew up in Ballymun. We moved around Ballymun a lot when I was a child. When I was in 6th class in the Holy Spirit, we moved abroad for 3 years and that was a big change for me because it was like I was trying to fit in straight away when I got over there. That's when I would have tried marijuana. I didn't like it, I hated it, but I still did it because I just wanted to be accepted. 3 years later we returned to Ballymun and I tried to fit back in again. I started palling around with people that were drinking on the blocks. Drugs really didn't come into it until I was about 16 or 17 when I started taking is and going to raves and all that kind of stuff. When I was 19 years old, I first tried cocaine and I thought, this is it. I can drink more, party more and party harder. It was nearly okay to take cocaine because it was a new drug then. I had easy access to drugs. I could literally get drugs when I wanted and that would have been every weekend. In my head, it was glamorous. It was a party lifestyle, getting dressed up, the fake hair, fake nails, fake tan and going out to nightclubs. This was something very glamorous about it, staying in fancy hotels, drinking champagne. It quickly changed from something glamorous to sitting in the house in my PJs, messy hair bone in my head. The going out, the partying lifestyle had left, but I was still partying. My mind used to suffer terribly because I'd go three days on a binge, and after the session was over, I'd start feeling suicidal. I felt shit. I couldn't look people in the eye. It was like, what am I after doing? Who did I upset? What did I do on somebody? And kind of go into a morbid depression of a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it would be Tuesday before I would start feeling all right again. I would say to myself that it wasn't that bad, and by Friday, I was out doing the same thing again. During this time, I lost a lot of good jobs. I lost a lot of respect of a lot of people because of my behaviour. I was like a different person when I drank and I used drugs. I didn't care about anybody. It was all about me. I left my son with my mom and I say I swear I'm only going out for four drinks and then I'll be home. And at that time I mean it. I really do think I meant it because at the time I just wanted to be out, but every time I'd use drugs. I went the fast and fingers because my mom was saying to me, you need to get yourself sorted. I went there for a little while. It was strange because my mind always told me I was not an addict because I had a job, I had a car, I had a house, so I couldn't be an addict. For me, addicts were the people you see on the streets tapping for money or the alcoholics are the ones you see drinking out of a brown paper bag. In my mind and in my appearance, I didn't quite fit into the stereotype of an addict. Having convinced myself I wasn't an addict, I returned to my old ways. But this time there was no fun in it. I would be sitting with people I'd have no business sitting with, like dregs, literally anybody with the notion of just don't letting the party end. Even in work I talked to people and they were saying, oh you are on the back, it's like you went into work and you'd say I'm just after being smoking heroin all weekend, or I'm just after being smoking crack all weekend. They are going to say you have a drug problem, but if I go in and say I'm after taking coke all weekend, they'd be saying oh god you're a mad thing. It's really socially acceptable for you to take cocaine. There was never any judgment with friends or work colleagues obviously my parents it was different i was starting to realize that i was dragging my son down at this stage he was 15 and he would see his mummy going out the weekend and making a show of herself and sleeping all week things was getting so bad i had a suicide attempt when i was 25 because i just didn't know what else to do i remember doing a google search with the words am i an addict and it was coming up if you've answered yes to more than five of these questions you probably are an addict I was like fuck, what does fucking Google know? My family didn't know everything because I didn't want to believe that I had an issue with drink and drugs. Even now when talking to somebody from around Ballymun they'd say but you weren't that bad. That tells me that a lot of people still aren't aware of addiction and the bad stuff that it brings with it. Some people think you have to use drugs every day to be an addict. If you use at the weekend you're grant. If you lose good friends for stuff you've done it's grant. If you drink and drive it's grant. It's nearly okay because from the outside you still may look like you have your shit together but on the inside I was dying. I ended up being taken into St Vincent's Hospital and at the time I swore in the hospital that that's it, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to drink or do drugs again. I used to go to one meeting a week and I, and I was linked in with Yap. I found Yap very good so I regularly linked in with them. I was doing a smart recovery program with them once a week. When I came out of hospital, I was literally going to open up an envelope. I was trying everything because I said to myself, I need to get this sorted. I really thought if I could just stop taking the cocaine, that I would be able to sit and have four drinks. When I say I'm going out for four drinks, I really thought I could have done that. I said, I'll I'll do it for nine months. Then I was doing so well, I'd cut down to six months. For the whole six months, I was obsessed about drinking, thinking I'm going to have a low alcohol wine. I really thought I could do this i go to the off-licence looking at the wine, saying that I can have this in six months' time. I still didn't think I had a problem with alcohol. I still thought if I took the other substance away, that everything was gonna be okay. I quickly learned that this wasn't the case where my six months were up. I went into the off-licence, the drink was 4% alcohol. I thought I better buy three or four of them, so there's the alcohol coming straight into play, but yeah, I still didn't think I had an issue. I went back out drinking and I went into it deeper. Things I thought would happen, never happened. My life was chaos again and I was saying, how am I here again? How has this happened? I went to a 12 step meeting and I remembered looking at the 12 steps saying, who do I need to apologise to? I haven't actually done wrong to anybody. I wrote out my 12 steps and it was like only have six beers, don't drink and drive. God love me. I thought this was going to cure me. I thought if I just read my own 12 steps that I was going to be able to go out and have six bottles of beer and go home, yeah you know that obviously didn't work. I came to a pint in April 2019 so I'm nearly two and a half years drug and substance free now. I reached that breaking point I think everybody needs to reach the pint to really recover. You need to be completely broken, you need to be get rid of all the self doubt. I know I have to be completely absent from everything because I know if I have a low alcohol beer or a low alcohol wine, it will quickly lead me down the same path. My experience has shown me that if I use a substance, I will overuse it. Today I walked the 12-step program. I am in CA and I still link in with Yap and Ballymun. I also recently started doing psychotherapy with them. I didn't go to treatment as I felt my body wasn't physically addicted to a drug. It was my mind that I suffered with. I actually moved in with my mom instead of going into rehab. I busy myself and continue using all the tools that I have picked up in Smart Recovery and in the 12-step program. While today is not my best day, you know what? It's a hell of a lot better than what it was two and a half years ago. In the round, my life is good. I keep, going. I keep good people around me. I don't need to surround myself with people that I would have used with, people I previously thought I couldn't cut out my life. Well, yes, I can, like snip snip. This is something I fought really hard for and I'm not willing to give it up for for anybody. My advice to anybody that is struggling with their drug or alcohol use is don't let the stereotype of a drug user fool you into believing you don't have a problem. I sat in meetings and said I was never homeless, I'm not like these people. I never sold myself, I'm not like these people. If you're sitting in a meeting, you know there's a problem, you know there's an issue. You know if you're linking in with supports around Ballymun, you know there's an issue. My advice would be to use the services that are there, keep your group small and cut out your using people. My son is 70 now, he doesn't need to worry about me anymore. When I say to my son I'm going to a meeting or I'm going training, he says, okay, enjoy. Before when I was using, he'd be full of anxiety thinking she will come home, what's going to happen and who's she going to take home with. My mother and father don't have to worry about me. I can walk around Ballymun with my head held high because I can't do harm to anybody. I don't maliciously go out to do or cause harm to anybody, so that's what recovery has given me. The opportunity and the confidence to hold my head up high again, instead of walking with my head down. I'm a present mother and a present daughter who has a life to look forward to, free from drink and drugs.
3: This is Kiran's Storey. I grew up in Ballymun. I was the oldest of seven and I still live here today. Ballymun is my home. We did not have much in our house, but we never had to starve. Food was always on our table, and my parents did their very best. I grew up and loved football. I always had a dream of playing for Liverpool. As a kid walking around, you would always see me with a football. I just loved playing and would stay out very late, scruffy-dirty and playing it in muck and having loads of fun. It was always about winning. I hated losing. I played in Croke Park and won on a few occasions. I played with lots of great clubs in Ballymun. I was always afraid growing up. I walked around full of fear and was a very insecure child. And I was always comparing myself to others. I wanted what other people had. I started drinking and taking solvents from about the age of 11. I knew it was wrong, but the fear of getting into trouble never stopped me. I was always in trouble at school. I was always looking for attention and I wanted to be noticed all the time. I started smoking hash and going to discos on a Saturday night. I never had any confidence around women but when I was drunk I could talk to anyone. I got expelled from school when I was 16 and got put on a training course. I used to get £27 a week and that would be my drinking money for the weekend. I had some really great memories of those weekends and I would not change a minute of it. However I would be obsessed with getting from Monday to Friday so that I could get drunk all weekend. I just drank to be sociable. I drank to get out of my head. I started going to raves and taking acid. I did not like it and eventually started taking ecstasy. Every time I took an E I always thought I was going to die. A lot of people were dying from taking them but it never stopped me. I continued to take them. Then I ended up back at a house party and heroin was introduced. I started to get curious about this and eventually I tried it. The first time I took it I hated it. I got really sick, but it did something to me and I tried it again, even though growing up in Ballymun I saw a lot of people destroyed by drugs. I thought I knew better and that I was smarter than them. I learned the hard way that I was never in control, the drugs controlled me. I had no choice. It was bringing me to places I swore I'd never go. It took all my values, robbed me of my relationships and my soul was destroyed. All these dreams I had as a child were gone. I ended up on a maintenance program and that made me worse. I had a heroin problem and a meth problem too that lasted 20 years. I got into a drug relationship and I had two kids born into addiction. I still carry that with me to this day. My life never got any better, it got worse. I was a lone wolf going around and could not look people in the eye looking full of shame, but somewhere inside me I knew there was more to life than the way I was living. In 2010, I just wanted to die. I could not take it anymore. So I asked people for help and I ended up in treatment for the first time after 20 years of addiction. I thought it was about just getting after drugs. I hadn't got a clue. I had no life skills. All I knew was how to take drugs and even at that I was useless. I had two kids. I did not know how to be a father. Drugs took everything from me. Getting off the drugs after so long was like being a baby and learning to live again. When I got out of treatment I started to drink again and it was not too long till I was back to what I knew best. It brought me back worse than ever. It was horrific. No matter how much drugs I took I could not leave my house. Paranoia, the fear, the anxiety and all the guilt. I had mended relationships but threw them back in people's face. My kids lost a father again. I ended up back in a treatment centre and I was like, how am I back here? It was not about talking anymore. It was about listening to people who went before me and trying to put everything into recovery because I knew nothing. All I knew was to go back using. When I left treatment, I did a day program and went to the 12-step fellowship. I started to be a father and I wanted recovery. It felt good to be clean. I got bad news about my mother. She had cancer and only had a few months to live. It was really hard but I did not have to use. I had lots of support. I got to be a brother at that time and my family relied on me even though I felt really alone most of the time. I got through all that. My mother is with me today watching over me. I used again a few months later and ended up at a 12-step meeting. I just cried out in that meeting and I said I need help because I knew I would die if I carried on. I wanted to be clean. I wanted what other people had. I gave myself the program which I am still part of today, eight years later. I have custody of my two children and I am also in a loving relationship and have another beautiful child. My kids depend on me today. I have a full-time job and I am employable today. I do my best every day in life. I was given another chance and today my job is to give to other people. Miracles happen. I am proof of it. Drinking drugs are fun at the start but through my experience they turn on you and become your enemy. Recovery has helped me grow up and become the person I was meant to be.